Hi, you're listening to Koldodi Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Join us in person for our weekly Shabbat services every Saturday at 11 a.m. We meet at 3534 West End Avenue in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website at koldodi.org or follow us on Facebook and watch us live at facebook.com forward slash Nashville. And now, here's Rabbi Ken's latest message. Numbers chapter 21, please. Numbers chapter 21, if you turn there in your scriptures. Sometimes there's disappointment in our lives, sometimes frustration, and if there's frustration of plans, sometimes we have frustration and disappointment over dreams and desires. How do we deal with it? What happens when this happens? Because it's going to happen as we follow the Lord. How do we deal with it? Well, this was the 40th year of the desert journey for the children of Israel. In this chapter, as we read, they're nearing the end, about to go into Haaretz, about to go into the land of Israel. And uh, now they're told to make a actually a big circle. Miriam and Aaron, Mir- uh, Moses' brother and sister, have actually passed away. And that's pretty tough on Moses. Uh, he's lost his closest family to him, to confide in, to discuss things maybe, to help bounce things off of. And uh, so maybe that's why he even lost his temper in the you know last chapter. Francis read from that. Who knows that what happened there, but there's different ideas. But this is this is really quite a quite an incident that happens. And I want to look at this story of the copper serpent, the copper snake that occurs. So, Father, open our eyes. Open our eyes, Lord, Shem Yeshua, that you speak to us through this powerful story in your word, we pray. Make it fresh and alive. Shem Yeshua. Amen. So they traveled, verse 4, 4 through 9 is where we're reading, and it says in verse 4, they traveled from Mount 4, along the route to the Sea of Reeds in order to go around the land of Adom. And the people, the spirit of the people became impatient along the way. They traveled here. And this verse around the land of Edom actually continues from verse, from chapter 20, verse 21, where it says, since Edom or Edom refused to permit Israel to cross through her territory, Israel turned away from them. So you really have to connect that. Israel crossed through her territory. Edom refused to, refused to permit Israel to cross through her territory. Israel turned away from them. So now they're traveling from Mount Hor along the route of uh, Sea of the Reeds in order to go around the land of Edom. And so the people spirit becomes impatient along the way. The word is katsar. Let's say the word katsar in Hebrew. Katsar. Katsar. 
It means to be shortened, literally short. You know, we use the firm words short-tempered. Uh, he has a short fuse. He has a short fuse, or to be short-circuited. Uh, something's short, something short-circuited. Uh, the Hebrew word katsar means to be short, to be shortened, to be cutting. The idea of cutting and harvesting. In other words, they were losing it, and they they lost it. They finally lost it. That was it. And they had to pass around Edom. They they they, they exploded. They just exploded. They're frustrated, and they thought they're going in the wrong direction. This can't be the, be right. They thought they had to pass around Edom. And by the way, with this heat, how do you like this heat? You know, um, people dying in Texas and different places. In case you know, we got get little reprieves from it. Thank God for the clouds when they cover. You know, but the heat is you know, and and when you're in the desert heat, you know, tempers can get you know. Tempers, you ever notice in traffic, you know, you gotta be really extra careful because in traffic people get, you know, they just all of a sudden they want to just get testy and, 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 you know. So frustration. And, uh, and so go south, go uh, east, then north to enter from the eastern band of the Jordan River and the marching, they're marching actually away from Canaan or from Canaan or Canaan in a dry and very rugged and dreary and difficult area. And so get the picture here. That's what's happening, and they lose it. Now, this is the opposite. Think about it. It's the opposite of what the Bible calls long-suffering. God is long-suffering. God is patient with us. Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some consider slowness. Rather, he is being patient toward you not wanting anyone to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Or 1 Corinthians 3, verses 6 and 7, Paul says, he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. God is so patient. God is so long-suffering with us. He's the opposite of you or me in the flesh. God is, he waits long. He doesn't react. He's, he's patient. Listen, the people, it says in verse five, <clears throat> what did they do? They spoke against God. See it? They spoke against God and Moses. Why have you brought us from Egypt to die? To die. Well, is that true? No, it's not true, but that's what they thought. They weren't thinking accurately. And we don't think accurately when we're when we're stressed out. We don't think accurately when we're frustrated and we're 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 reacting. Ain lechem ve'ain ma'im. No bread, no water, and our soul is disgusted. The Hebrew word kutz it repels with this worthless. Look what they're calling this worthless or insubstantial bread. It's hakokel. This worthless bread. It means kokel in Hebrew means it very light. It's it's literally light light would be the you know it's a double doubling of the verb. <clears throat> it's light light bread. In other words, uh God could do much better than this. <laughs> he's not he's not giving us what we what we should have. 
They were completely dissatisfied with the manna and the lack of enough food and water and the complaints of a lack of water and lousy food. Uh, they were so quick to give up and to presume the worst and, the, and they gave in to the elements. They were too picky. They were ungrateful. Romans chapter 1 brings comes to mind verses 21 and 22 because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. When we're not thankful, when we're not grateful, but what happens? But became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Boy, that's what happens. Our foolish heart is darkened when we're not thankful and we don't glorify God. And it's the word in the Greek is they became dialogismos. Dialogismos, it means confused and unclear in their reasoning process. We become confused and unclear in our reasoning process, mentally and impaired and then emotionally dysfunctional. There's a rabbi, Rabbi Nachman, he said, the wicked disdained the manna, calling it lechem hakol hakokel, insubstantial bread, and they complained about it. He said, but the righteous honored the manner, manna, and so were able to taste every good thing there was to taste in it. To them, it was heavenly bread. <laughs> Isn't it good to be around people that see the best in things rather than the worst in things, you know? Always see, always see the glass half full and say, thank you, Lord, for this. The problem was not with God, nor the bread, nor with Moses, <laughs> but with them. It was with themselves. Their dissatisfaction and their disgust was really with themselves. And they were repelled by themselves, but they couldn't see it. It's not where you are or how you got there. It's not what you lack or don't like. Your conflict, my conflict, is really ultimately with Hashem, with the Lord. It's with God. It really is. Proverbs 27, verse 7 says, One, one who is full loathes a honeycomb, a honeycomb. But to one who is hungry, every bitter thing is sweet. Does it feel like we're going in the wrong direction? Are we tempted to become short on the way? Because that's what it says in the Hebrew. They were short on the way. Short on the way. And speak against God and Moses and gripe and enter into union with the accuser and the liar and the murdering serpent without realizing it? That's what happened. That's what they did. They entered into union with the serpent. And they didn't realize it. He was a liar. He's a liar. He's a murderer from the beginning, Yeshua said in John 8, 44. He's a deceiver in Revelation 12, 9. And that's why God sent the, sent the serpents. So Adonai sent them, verse 6. It's poisonous. The Greek Hebrew word is burning serpents. He sent burning snakes. It's Chan uh, Hashim Hasrafim among the people. Burning snakes. And they bit the people and many of the people of Israel died. 
Rab Rashi, the rabbi, said, the poison of their fangs made their victims feel as if they were burning. Horrible. What a scene. Hundreds, maybe thousands, thousands of poisonous, deadly snakes biting, causing burning pain and death. And they're reaping the venom of their slander. And so God says, feel the burn. <laughs> a different kind of burn. <laughs> Not the burn of calories. <laughs> Two terms to refer to these creatures. Nachash and Sarah. Nachash, you want to say it? Nachash and Sarah. They're two different words. Nachash, the word Nachash, the plural Nachashim, is the generic Hebrew term for snake or serpent. The term Sarah, the plural Seraphim, is, uh, comes from a root that means to burn. To burn. Something Sometimes the term is used adjectively to modify snakes, perhaps describing the bite or the sting of the creature. The flying venomous serpent of the desert is Saraf in the Bible and is mentioned in Egyptian and Greek history accounts. And could it be, it might be the black-necked cobra which swings through trees and attacks from the air and is yellowish copper in color. But really there aren't trees like that in the desert, so perhaps it was an Egyptian or Arabian cobra. We don't know. But God sent these snakes. Verse 7, and they, so verse 7, they come and they, they realize and they, they come to a repentance. They say, we sinned. We, when we spoke against Adonai and you, against the Lord and you, pray to the Lord for us that he may take away the snakes. So the Lord took away the snakes, right? Actually, he didn't. You would think he would have. But in this case, he didn't take them away. But he did bring an amazing remedy, didn't he? An amazing remedy. Let's look at it. So Moses prayed for the people. So we asked that God would remove the instrumentality of the punishment. But he might instead just raise up a remedy instead, while giving us the ability to persevere with the snakes. But then he'll redeem it. He redeems, but he doesn't remove sometimes. And this is what happens here. Recognizing our sin, our violation, the cause of our misfortune is the picture here. We have to confront our guilt and be accountable before God in order to be healed. This is what has, has to happen. They said, we've sinned against God and against you, Moses. We've done it. Speaking poisonous or burning words, poisonous speech, burning, hurtful words against God and, his, and against his representative. Again, Miriam and Aaron, Moses' sister and brother, were gone in verse chapter 20, verses 1 and 28, we read of their departures. Why did, but why did God send fiery snakes? Why not a plague? Well, the root of sin goes back to the ancient serpent. Genesis 3. He's a deceiver. 
Genesis 3.13, he deceived Chava or Eve and Adam. He first deceived Eve. In Revelation 12.9, he's called the deceiver. He's the accuser in Revelation 12.10, the accuser of the brethren. When we start, if we start, you get, start accusing somebody, you get, we're going into that. The venom is, that's being, you're being sucked into by the serpent. You're being, it's, it's a, it's a plot by the enemy, by the adversary. No question about it. The accuser of the brethren. The liar and the murderer, John 8, 44. Deceptive, evil speech brought about by the fall. And so they pray and uh, they pray. They say, pray to God, pray to the Lord for us. Verse seven, we need a mediator. We need a mediator. And they say, pray to Moses, pray. We need someone to mediate. When I find myself in times of trouble. No, 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 it's not Mother Mary. Come to me. Yeshua, come to me. All right, so the Lord <laughs> instructs the, rem- the remedial procedure here. <laughs> and and uh, he didn't take away the snakes. As I said, they were still slithering about. Picture it. They're still slithering about, attacking the people during this. during this. But now there is a remedy. There's a means of healing and survival. So I was... I would apply it like this. God hasn't taken away the results of the fall. We still live, we still have chaos and pain in this world and tragedy and we still have heartache in this world. We still have rampant evil and casualties all about us. But we have a remedy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have a cure, right? A treatment. We have an antidote, don't we? And what did he do? Instead of getting rid of the snakes, they they remain and one is used to heal all the victims. All that will will follow his his advice, raise it up as a miracle, a cure. Continually rec, continual recognition of being saved, still being beaten, still being bitten, rather bitten, but still being healed, a disease and a cure. Look, read what read what it says. Says he, it says, uh, Moses prayed for the people. The Lord says, make yourself a fiery snake. Make a fiery. He didn't tell him to make the copper snake, but he made a copper one. That's what he did. But he said, just make a snake, put it, put it on the pole, put it on a, a nest, an elevated, lift it up on a, an elevated, uh, pole, basically, which also is nest from Nasas, the miracle. When, whenever anyone who's been bitten will look at it, he'll see it, he'll live, he'll have life. So Moses makes the copper or bronze snake and he puts it on the pole and it happened whenever the snake bit anyone and he looked at it. This is Navat. Navat's a different word. It means to, to really gaze, to look directly at it. The bronze serpent, he lived. And so this is the miracle. And it's a continual recognition of being saved. Continual, continually look. We still sin, but we're still being saved. We still sin. We're still, so the snakes still bite us sometimes. We still, but we're still being saved because we're looking at Yeshua who is 
the one who became sin for us, right? In 2 Corinthians 5.21, he who knew no sin was made sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So Moses prays for the people. Think about it. Moses doesn't say, well, I'm not praying for you after you, what you, you put me through. You're kidding. Am I quick to forgive? Are you quick to forgive? Are you quick to forgive? Ask yourself that really right now. Am I, are you quick to restore? If someone asks you, I'm sorry, I blew it. Are you quick or are you, or are you, are you, or are you uh, I don't know about that. Let's wait a, you know, are you letting the sun go down on your wrath? Like Ephesians says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Book of Ephesians. No, God is slow to anger and he's quick to forgive. Why should I be quick to anger and slow to forgive? Adonai, Adonai, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and truth, showing mercy to thousand generations, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. In Exodus 34, verses 6 to 7. That's why, that's revealing God's nature, by the way. That's when God says, I'll reveal my name to you. And he says, that's who I am. Quick to forgive, slow to anger, quick to forgive. Are you quick to judge and slow to show mercy? Are you quick to make a judgment about someone and show quick, slow, to, or are you quick to believe the best and slow to believe the worst? Let's be that way, right? Amen. Let's be that way. The Lord says to Moses, "Make this fiery snake a sarak, a burning snake." But it's we know, it's a snake. and He says, "Put it on a pole. Put it on this nest. Elevated, raised signal, a flag like a ship, like on a ship. If you have a flag on a ship, and it." Everyone who's bitten will see, ra'ah, to see. He sees it, he'll live. Put it on the pole. Lift it high so all can see it and receive its benefits. Make it very, very visible. We always should market our message. It's God's will and his command that we tell the world, publicize, not privatize the gospel, the besorah, the good news, the gospel. It's not something we keep to ourselves. It's something we should have out, out for everyone to see. You know how I feel about signs. <laughs> I'm talking about signage and like everyone should know where we are. This is God's remedy, God's cure, the solution, the antidote, the answer. If you know you had a cure for cancer, would you say, I'll tell a few of my friends maybe. And if people find out and ask me, I'll tell them. Of course not, right? You have a cure for cancer? You'll tell everybody. Come on. I've got a cure. So Moses makes the bronze snake and put it on the pole. And it was as if a serpent had bitten a man, it says in the Hebrew, if he perceived. The word is look directly. Navat, navat, to look directly. It means to burst forth. You look directly and it bursts forth and bursts forth into light. So toward the copper snake he lived. Moses made this snake. And uh, so think about it. They didn't look at the bites. Don't look at the bites. Don't look at the ugly, frightening, painful wounds. There's no healing there. There's no healing if we look at our sin. There's no healing. I, I mean, I, you know that. If we look at our sin, if we talk, if we keep talking about our sins and keep talking about how all, all that happens, you know, and all that, there's no healing in that. 
I don't, and I know there's a place where, you know, where you have to, where you confront it and everything. There is a principle here, but there's a principle. The healing is in looking at the solution, is looking at what Yeshua did with it, that he paid, and looking at him, and that he paid for our sins, that he paid for them. The healing is in the remedies and what is in the looking over at him, directly at him, and experiencing that healing, staring up, staring up at the, at this copper snake on the pole. And listen, when we see you saw that snake, they knew it was, we were guilty. We did it. We were guilty. You know, we, we know we were, God sent the snakes because we, of what we did. But thank God it's, there's healing now. He's paid for it. Zechariah 12.10 says, they shall look. It uses that word, navat. They'll look, navat. They'll look unto me whom they have thrust through, and they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son, our people in the future. That prophetic passage. Psalm 27, verses 1 through 3 says, the Lord is my light. He's my salvation. He's the strength of my life. So don't fear. Don't fear. Don't be afraid. Don't fear again. Three times, my enemies, the army, and the war they won't win. They won't win, but they'll trip and they'll fall flat on their faces when they come against me because the Lord is my light. I'm looking. He's the one I'm trusting in. Salvation is not simply random acknowledgement. It's not just seeing, but it's a recognition. It's staring, not seeing, but staring until that light bursts forth. It's not a glance, not just a glance. It's a gaze. It's gazing. That's what salvation is. So you know these verses. This is the easiest passage probably in the Bible because Yeshua quoted it to, to correlate it with the new covenant with the Brit Hadashah. But John 3 verses 14 and 15 says, just as Moses, Yeshua said, lifted up the serpent in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Yeshua, like Moses' serpent, became the object of hope, the remedy, healing, the deliverance. He was the instrument via which God would reverse the curse of sin's penalty. First Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we, removed from sins, might live for righteousness. By his wounds you were healed. Hallelujah. He did it. He became the snake. He became, he identified. The snakes were still there, but the remedy was greater. The remedy was greater. As Moses lifted up the copper serpent as a flag for all to see, it was as if to say, look what you've caused. Your slander has resulted in death, but God has turned things around. He's redeemed you. He's borne your sin and provided miraculous healing. You've confessed your guilt. You've sought his intervention. Now take your eyes off the frightful surroundings and stare directly at his antidote, his remedy, and be healed. Live. Verse 9 says he lived. If you looked, you lived. Chaya. Let's say chaya. 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 To live. To live by virtue of God's thoughts is what that word means. To live by virtue of God's thoughts. God's thoughts toward us. Peace and not of evil. Good and not of evil. Shalom and not ra'ah in Jeremiah uh, 29.11. To give us a hope and a future. God's thoughts. And we live through God's thoughts. We live. And I close with Psalm 30 verses. Uh, the first several verses. 3, 4, and 6. 
Adonai, my God, I cried out to you and you healed me. Adonai, you have raised my soul from Sheol. You've kept me alive. You've kept me alive from descending to the pit. For his anger lasts only a moment. His favor for a lifetime. Weeping lodges in the evening, but joy comes in the morning. A ringing cry of joy comes in the morning. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's, it's, I love that passage, Psalm 30, verse 5. Weeping, it lodges overnight, it might hang overnight, but in the morning, here comes the joy, a shout, a ringing cry of joy. Thank you, Lord, for our healing. Thank you, Lord, for the remedy, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, where we've sinned. Forgive us, Lord, we, but we thank you, Lord, for your solution. We thank you, Lord. Snakes may still be around us. We live in this, a mess of a world, Lord. We live in a, and we, and we still have, and we still are a mess sometimes ourselves, Lord. We, but we thank you, Lord, for every discouragement, for every, and for every frustration, Lord, and for every foolish act, Lord, you are our forgiveness and you are our healing and our remedy. We love you. We thank you. If you've never trusted Yeshua in your life, open your heart up and say, Lord, save me. Oh, Lord, I need you. Humble yourself before God and invite him into your life today and have that new fresh start. See that copper serpent, that copper serpent, Yeshua dying for you. Yeshua becomes sin for you, bearing your sins, becoming your sin, so that you can become the righteousness of God in him and be healed. Healed, healed, healed. God loves you and wants to heal you and give you healing and eternal life. And you can live, kaya, kaya, have eternal life through him. And if you're doing that, there's folks coming right up right now that will be here to pray with you. If you're here, if you're watching online, then just write us and we'll contact you back. That you made that decision. We're going to close in the benediction now. Bisham Yeshua HaMashiach Sar HaShalom The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. Amen. And amen. God bless you. Shabbat shalom.